Good morning. <clears throat> um, for those of you who don't know, I, um, I, I suffer from a, a chronic health problem, and sometimes it gets really bad. Sometimes it gets really bad. Like uh, one time several years ago, it was really, really bad. Now, uh, I'm going to tell you what I did, but I, I'm first on the front end going to say I'm not proud of it, okay? I'm just being, like, really honest. Um, I sort of kind of gave God an emotional ultimatum, right? I don't know. Have you ever heard of that term before? I was wondering if I made it up. Did I make up that term? I gave God an emotional ultimatum. Now, this is how I describe it. How many of you guys play Monopoly? Okay, now in Monopoly, there's the iconic get out of jail for free card, right? And you, you, you hold on to that, and then in the middle of the game, when you need it, you need to get it, you boom, you use it, you get out of jail. I always felt like I had a card like that, but I named it like an if you love me card, okay? And I kind of kept it in my back pocket, you know? I'm not going to use it all the time, but on... On rare special occasion, I'm going to play that card before God. And so I was in such bad shape several years ago, like health-wise, that I was like, Lord, okay, I'm playing this card. Like I didn't, I have this, I always thought it was in my back pocket. Boom, I'm, I'm, I'm playing it. And so when I did, this is how I set it up. Um, I, I went to my prayer closet. I got on my knees. And I said, um, God... If you love me, I, 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 those words, if you love me, I want you to heal me. And I kind of set it up like this, like, Lord, what I'm going to do is I'm sleeping, I'm going to go to bed, <clears throat> and when I wake up, I just want to feel the miracle, <laughs> you know? You know, I want to feel it. And so this is what I did. I, I said, uh, if you love me, played the card, went to bed. And this is kind of what happened. Like, I, I, I remember I, I, I got out of bed, I, I woke up, I'm on the edge of my bed, and I'm just like, okay, I'm ready to feel it, you know? I'm ready, and, um, you know, I did some sort of things, kind of checked the condition, and I realized, you know, I'm feeling worse. I'm actually feeling worse. And I think what happened to me at that moment is I'm like, I don't know where to go from here. Like, uh, can I be a pastor still? I was so disappointed. I was even hurt. I felt like saying, well, God, I guess you don't love me, you know? And I know that's not true, but I felt like saying that. And in my heart, I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, um, if you healed me, I would have come to church and been like, hey, you know, God can do miracles. And, and if you had healed me, I could do more ministry and love more people. I don't get it. And so for a couple of months, secretly, I didn't tell anyone, but I wasn't really all that thrilled about following God. And I was kind of holding back in a, in a little bit, you know. Now, I just wanted to ask you guys, um, is there anyone here, you've been waiting for something, and you've been waiting, and you're, you know, you're kind of sick of waiting, and you just kind of wish God would hurry. Like, God, hurry, you know. Um, anyone here ever felt like there was a period of time you wanted something from God, and you're praying, God, I want you to come through, you got to come through, and you didn't feel like God came through? You feel like he let you down. 
Now, uh, that's what happened to a, a man named Jairus. And I'm just going to tell you the whole story of what happened there. I'm going to tell you the, the long version of the story because it's, really, it's a very beautiful story and it's one of my favorite. And so I don't want to cut any part out. We're just going to walk through the story. So Jairus um, is a synagogue ruler. Now, the equivalent, like, in that community, he was, like, chairman of the board, okay? People respect that man, you know. He got a clear voice in the community. He also had a little girl, uh, 12 years old, and one day she woke up and she didn't want to get out of bed. She didn't want to go to school. Maybe it started off as a cold, maybe it grew into a rash. Maybe she actually couldn't walk. And this continued on for an entire month going by. He's looking at his daughter and he's thinking, I I feel like my daughter is dying. Now, Jairus has means. So the doctors have come. Probably more than one doctor. The doctors shake their heads. There's nothing more we can do. You imagine one day Jairus hears that a very special rabbi is coming through town or came through town, now he's going to another town. And this rabbi, when he was in town, he did these crazy miracles. And so you imagine Jairus hearing these stories. He's sitting by his daughter's bed, he's holding his daughter's hand, he jumps to his feet, he knows exactly what he's going to do. He puts on his coat, he kisses his daughter, and he goes out and he's asking, where did they go, where did he go, where did, by the, right by the sea, and he finds the person that he's looking for. Chapter 5, verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her, please so that she may be well and live. And he, Jesus, went with him, Jairus. Notice, Jairus falls at the feet of Jesus and says, Come, lay your hands on her, that she may be well and live. I've I've heard stories of you doing this before, and I know that if you're willing to come, and if you can get there in time, I just know. And so you can imagine that when Jesus says, yes, they'll come, Jairus is like, yes. Now if we can just get Jesus there on time, because I got minutes, minutes. So you imagine that they're walking, and they're walking with a rather large entourage. Everyone that was there before is probably walking with Jesus. Jesus is the center of where the group is going. But you imagine that Jairus knows the direction. Jairus has the GPS. So who's leading? I don't know. Maybe they're pacing with each other. If I were Jairus, I would probably want to lead because I want to get Jesus. Can we hurry a little bit? Jesus, we got to, we got, let's go, you know, let's go. And so maybe he's kind of leading a little bit and verse 20. A great crowd followed him and thronged about him. Everyone is like in the way. Hustling, bustling, jostling, jostling, pressing, pushing, shoving, a great entourage. And then 
boom. I just want you to imagine this scene, right? So, so Jairus and Jesus are kind of leading the pack. There's a huge, and they're kind of pressing. And then Jairus, you know, he's like, keeps on walking, keeps on, he's like power walking. And then he notices that no one's walking with him because Jesus had just stopped. And so he's looking back. What's going on there? Jesus stops suddenly, the entourage. And uh, verse 25, there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and she had suffered much under many physicians, had spent all she had, but she was no better. She grew worse. Um, A discharge of blood means that she had a condition, it was a condition of menstruation where she was always bleeding. She was like always having her period. Now there's no mention of a husband. It really seems like she's on her own. No husband, no kids. She had money. She spent all the money. No husband, no kids, spent all the money going from one doctor to the next to the next. Now, I I was telling you that I, I... I, I have a health condition, and so I kind of know what it's like to go from one doctor to the next. You try Western medicine. If that doesn't help you, you try Eastern medicine. If that, then you try alternative therapy. You know, you can, then you go back to Western medicine, and you take the pills, and then they guarantee no side effects, but there are side effects. Nothing was working, no medicine, no pills, no therapy. Nothing was working, and she was spending all the money that she had, and then she had no more money. Now, to make matters worse, according to the laws of the Old Testament, when a woman is having her period, she is considered to be unclean. The thing with this woman is that she was always on her period. So she was always considered unclean. Now, what that means is that she cannot go to the temple. She cannot go to synagogue. She cannot go to where the community loves to gather around God's word, all right? Now, I just want you to imagine you're a student and you can't go to class. But this doesn't really, because you might be happy about that. But, okay, imagine it's Thanksgiving dinner and you can't go and be a part of the community. You can't go. You have to eat at home. So, for 12 years... Not only could she not go, but because she was unclean, considered unholy, no one has touched her for 12 years. For 12 years, she has not been touched. No hugs, no kisses. Maybe she has nieces, maybe she has nephews. Maybe it's very hurtful that they want to run up and hug her, but her parents are like, no, 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 you can't do that with auntie. So when you hear about this bleeding woman, please don't just think it's a physical problem. She hasn't been touched for 12 years. She has felt less than human for 12 years. It was a social problem. It was a self-image problem. It was a relationship with God problem. I imagine her saying, I have felt less than human because people have treated me less than human for 12 years. And the doctors, they shook their heads, and they said, there's nothing more we can do. I'm so sorry. 
But she, like Jairus, when she heard reports about this rabbi in town who can do the amazing. Now, speaking of Jairus, when he heard that, Jairus formed this man of power plan. Right? Now, look at the difference. When Jairus heard that Jesus was in town, Jairus was thinking, I'm, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go right to Jesus. I'm going to look him in the eye. I'm going to fall down at my feet, and I'm going to make my request before his audience. This woman does not feel like she's a person worthy of that kind of audience. Do you notice that? She's like, I'm not even going to have him look at me. I'm not even going to look him in the eye. He doesn't even have to pay attention to me. He doesn't even have to look at me. I'm not even going to talk to him. Is she shy? Maybe not shy. Does she feel so low, so less than human because of how she's been treated? So she comes up with this plan where she can get what she desperately needs and wants, but Jesus doesn't have to give her any attention. She's thinking he's got tassels on his robes. He's a holy man. All I have to do is just touch his clothes, like the hem of his robe. And something inside me, something just tells me that'll be enough for me to get healed. Verse 27. She had heard the reports about Jesus. And she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Uh, My my kids and I have this... uh, ongoing game where the challenge is you sneak up on someone in the family without them knowing that you're there, without them hearing you or seeing you, and you just touch them. And then when you touch them, you go, ninja touch. And, and you, you, it's, it's a thing we do. This woman sneaks up to Jesus to give him ninja touch. Verse 28. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I'll be made well. And immediately, the the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, um, you, you, <laughs> you see the crowds pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Now, I just want to uh, 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 point out that um, I, I'm a pastor, and I talk to people, and a lot of times I'll say, hey, tell me your story. How long does it take for a person to share the whole truth? It's never quick. It's never quick. Here's this woman telling the whole story. Now, uh, one of the reasons why this story moves me is because for 12 years, this woman feels like a nobody. She's like, I have no voice. I feel like a nobody, unclean, untouched, forgotten by God. Here is Jesus, stopping the entire entourage, saying, this woman has a story, and everyone right now is going to listen to it. She had no voice. Jesus is like, you have a voice. You have a story. 
I, I don't know what she said. Maybe she said, I don't even know where to begin. Twelve years ago, there was blood, and my life began to unravel. I went to go see this doctor and that doctor. My family didn't know what to do with me. And then one day, I heard that you were in town. I just knew, I just knew. Now, notice what Jesus says to her. Notice what he calls her. He says, daughter. Twelve years, I've been feeling like a nobody. Jesus calls her a somebody. Jesus says, you are a daughter. No voice, Jesus gives her a voice. Felt unclean, Jesus says, she is healed, she is clean. Your faith has made you well. I was thinking about this. Isn't Jesus at this point is like 31, 32 years old? How old is this woman? Probably, I don't know, probably maybe 30 years old. They're the same age, and Jesus looks at her, and maybe the only person who has ever called her daughter in her life was her father. Here is the Savior of Israel, the Savior of the world, saying, you're a daughter, I'm calling you daughter. You are a daughter of God. You are a daughter of God. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of your disease. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story of restoration. Now, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, "Um, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Now, okay, right up to this point, the story is a very beautiful story of restoration. Here is Jesus giving this woman who's been waiting for 12 years everything she needs. She was restored in so many beautiful ways. And this is the story up to this point that's great for the woman. But I would say at this point, not so great for Jairus. Not so great for Jairus. Now, all the time with the entourage and Jesus, you know, you can hear Jairus like, hey, we got to hurry. We don't, you know, hurry, please hurry. And then Jesus gets sidetracked and maybe Jairus is thinking, actually, Jesus is getting his attention stolen away. And, and the minutes are going by. We got to hurry. Now, I was, I was thinking about this, getting, just getting a little creative, thinking out of the box. Like, I'm thinking like if, if Jairus was an American I think Jairus would probably, like, sue Jesus. Like, right? Like, at this point in time, if Jairus, like, walked away, you, you think he might have, like, a little bit of a case? Like, like imagine, like, if Jesus were, were like, on, 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 on trial, and then you got the, the prosecutor from Jairus. You know, he's got big money, spent a lot of money on. And I think it, it might be something like, is it true, Jesus, that... Once in your teaching, you likened yourself to a physician. And then in the practice of medicine, let's say there is an emergency room, and two people walk into to get to the emergency room, and one is a woman with a chronic condition of 12 years, and the other is a little girl that's about to die. And the attending doctor says, okay, priority goes to the woman with the chronic condition. 
And they're treating her, treating her, treating her. And then the, girl, the little girl dies. What, what would you call that? Uh, that's, that's malpractice. That's a lawsuit. Right? There will be times, if we freeze frame this event at this moment, there will be times where you will feel disappointed by God. There will be times when you feel like you can't do this anymore. There will be times. Um, a, a couple of years ago, <clears throat> do you guys know that song, uh, King of My Heart? Uh, I, I, I don't know who, who sings it. Um, you, you guys know the song? <laughs> no? Okay. Gordon wants me to sing it. Okay. Um, it goes, you know, that the king of my heart be the mountain where I run. You don't have to clap after I sing. The, the fountain I, you know, you, oh, he is my, you know that song, okay? What's the refrain? Oh, you're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Right, right? Yeah. Okay, so I know that song, and I was thinking about it. And one day out of the blue, I called the worship leader. Oh, don't worry, he's not here, okay? We're just this a worship leader from our church, but don't worry, it's even not here. And I go, hey, you know that song we've been singing? Yeah. I don't know if we should sing that song. Like, why? Well, you know that part about you're never going to let me down? Like, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> right? And he's like, well, and then we started having this conversation. He's like, well, you, you know, um, well, from the standpoint of eternity, yeah, we're, God, God will never let us down, Right? I'm like, yeah, but when we're singing it, no one's singing it from the standpoint of eternity. They're, 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 they're singing it from their subjective experience, right? I feel like in this moment, Jairus is like, um, excuse me, I feel like I'm let down. I don't think I can sing that song. And so I'm like, can we change the lyrics? Can we be like, oh, you're never going to let me go, right? You know, like, from the stand, you know, and he's like, no, you can't change the lyrics. I'm like, okay. Okay, well, let's just sing it. There will be times when you feel like God let you down. And I think what happens to us is when we feel like we're let down by God, there's a a disappointment. And and if it's not resolved, it can be a bitterness. And then that bitterness can make you kind of hold back in your relationship with God. Like, like, if you're holding on to bitterness, and then like last year, I'm sorry, last week, you, hold, you heard Pastor Calvin's uh, uh, a message about being fourth soil people. Like, that bitterness will make you go, but I don't know, I don't know if it's worth it to be a fourth soil. Is it really worth it? And then you, 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 you remember, like, in the articulation that the second soil are people with a little bit of root, but then suffering comes, and they cannot persevere through the suffering. God's sense of timing confuses us, and his grace rarely operates according to our schedule. And in the middle of this pain and this turmoil and this anguish, when you hear that your daughter has just died, what does Jesus do? He turns to Jairus, and he just has a few words, and those words are, don't be afraid, only believe. Don't be afraid, only believe. I, 
I think there are people here, and the only words that God wants to comfort you by this morning is this, don't be afraid, only believe. In other words, trust me, trust me. In other words, I know what I'm doing. In other words, I have a really good plan in mind. Trust me, trust me. And Jairus and all of us have a decision to make. But then, hold it, can we just stop for a second and just go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. How am I supposed to trust God when the circumstances are saying that I shouldn't, right? How am I supposed to trust God when it, it, the circumstances don't make any sense? Like, I need you to speak logically to me. Not, I mean, trust me is so conceptual. Okay, let me try. Let me try to speak logically. Now, now here is Jairus in this moment. He's like, I don't understand. You just let my little girl die, and you're taking care of this woman with a 12-year chronic condition. Jesus knew something that he did not. Would you all agree? Okay, now, what did Jesus know that Jairus did not know? Jesus has his reasons. He knew those reasons Jairus did not. What did Jesus know that Jairus did not? Number one, what Jesus knew is that he has power to bring the little girl back to life. Like for Jesus, uh, uh, curing a common cold, calming a storm, healing this woman with a 12-year condition, and resurrecting a little girl, all in the category of, yep, I can do all that, so I don't need to rush. Jesus knew that. Jairus didn't know that. But there's more, there's more, there's more. Here's a woman who's been suffering in so much pain. She feels like she's nobody. She doesn't have a voice. She's isolated. And Jesus is giving her a voice, a community, a healing. It's a 12-year miracle in the making, and it's beautiful. And Jairus doesn't know that. He didn't see it. Jesus knows things that we do not. He has his reasons. When I gave God that emotional ultimatum and he didn't come through for me, can it be that God had really good reasons that I didn't know about? Can it be, and I want to say this kindly, that in your situation, God has reasons. Some of them right now you don't understand, but he has good reasons. This is what you can know, that God is infinitely good, that God is infinitely loving, that God is infinitely wise, and he's doing all things for your good and for his glory. And because of that, there's only one person in the universe who can look you in the eye and say, trust me, everything's going to be okay. Some of you really, really need to hear that word. Trust Jesus. Everything is going to be okay. I do want to point out that at this point, Jesus doesn't really explain to Jairus all the things that he knows that Jairus does not. I mean, notice he doesn't say, hey, 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 Jairus, don't worry about it. I have power over death. He doesn't say, look, you see this woman? He doesn't explain. Here's what he says. 
Don't be afraid. Just believe. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. Don't give in to despair. Trust me. And so they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Now, you think it's kind of strange that Jesus arrives at Jairus' house and he says that the little girl is sleeping, you know? And, and look, everyone there, they're not stupid. They know that she is not like mostly dead. She's like, she's like all dead, all right? So why this reference to sleep is a little bit weird. Well, you know what this is? This is yet another parable that Jesus is giving. It's like a riddle. It's a parable. Now, Jesus is going to reveal the riddle in what he does next. But he puts them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. And taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. She was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he charged them that no one should know this and told them, give her something to eat. Now, Jesus sits down beside the girl. You imagine her, him taking her hand. He says two things to her. The first word is talitha, which literally means little girl. But it's like a, it's like a pet name. It's a, it's a term of endearment. For my daughter, I would call her sweetie. The second thing that Jesus says to her, which is kumi, means arise. Now, now notice, it's not little girl, be resurrected. It was not like that. It's like, little girl, hey, get up. Just get up. It, it, it's, it's what a, a, a parents would do to their kid like on Saturday morning, you know? Sit down, take their hand. Hey, sweetie, hey, get up. And, and then she does. So here is Jesus facing the enemy of the human race, and he has such incredible power that all he has to do is hold the child by the hand and then reach down into death and gently just lift her up. Hey, sweetie, get up. Jesus is seen by his actions. If Jesus has you by the hand, death is nothing but sleep. Jesus is saying, look, if I have you by the hand, even if you go through the darkest night, everything's going to be okay. Some of us might feel like, um, Pastor Andrew, I mean, if Jesus said to me, you know, uh, trust me, just believe, and then 20 minutes later, he raises my daughter back to life, I would totally be okay with that. 
But in my place, I'm just like, the thing that I'm asking for, I don't even know if God will give it to me 20 minutes from now, 20 years from now. And I just want to reassure you with these words. God is infinitely good. He is infinitely wise. He is infinitely loving. He is working all things for your good and for God's glory. So don't be afraid. Trust him. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And I just want you, um, uh, church family, would you just stand? I'm just going to give you a minute just to respond in prayer, just before the Lord. I, I just want you to imagine whatever you're going through, Jesus just looking at you and saying, don't be afraid. Only believe. And I just want to give you a minute just to respond in prayer, just however you want to respond. And I'm just going to give you a minute to do that. Dear Father, I I do want to thank you that um, Jesus has power over everything. And so whatever is bothering us this morning or whatever we're afraid of, I'm just very thankful that we have a God, we have a Lord and Savior who can handle it, who can reach down into death and just simply say, hey, get up. And who can alone reassure us with the words that everything will be okay. We do trust you, Father. And I do pray that we would be able to lift up every sadness to you and just to trust you and to keep on walking with you, even when it's very hard to do so. I thank you that you are a great shepherd and you're so compassionate and kind that we can take all of our cares and all of our fears to you and you will understand. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.